Hey, Kate. Yeah? Do we give legal advice on this podcast? Oh, gosh, no. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. I'm the human resources director. Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Hello, and welcome to the Hostile Work Environment podcast. <laughs> My name is Mark Alifans. Kate is trying really hard, <laughs> failing and trying really hard to... It's like you're doing acoustic sunrise on Sunday morning with this calm voice. Hello, and welcome to Smooth Hostile Work Environment. <laughs> That's awesome. We are okay. here for your Sunday morning jazz stylings. <laughs> Great. I How would never doing, listen Kate? to that show, by the way. <laughs> I'm doing well. <laughs> so you're saying we may have just turned off half of our listenership? <laughs> well, yeah, if it's smooth jazz on a Sunday morning, it, I'm not there. So. <laughs> smooth, hostile work environment. Even better. <laughs> you got to slow it down and make the voice deeper. Hello. Yeah. Make it deeper, like as when you do the hostile work environment boob grab, it's, you know, Sounds sexier and jazzier. Yes, the hostile work environment food <laughs> grab. How you doing, Mark? <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> it's It's been an interesting week. Uh, we're recording this kind of four days after, five days after Election Day, and we still don't really know uh, who has won control of what federal, you know, branch of government um and the house <laughs> and the senate uh because uh we're not great great at counting um we're, it's not that we're not great at counting it's just it takes a long time to recount things and in georgia yeah. they we know we're going to run off we cortez masto in nevada possible gonna Is win that one almost certainly based yeah. on my, Kelly, my my math yeah, and Kelly's got one in Arizona. So there's 50 Democrats in that. That well, no, put a 51 with Cortez Masto. Yeah. So, so now the runoff in Georgia is not to will not control. So we just got to make sure we if, get a bunch of people out. If yep. Cortez Masto pulls that out, then it's to get to 51, not 50. Uh, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wasn't trying to suggest that we're bad at counting and that we were making mistakes with the counting, <laughs> just that certain areas count very slowly. Don't feed the stop the steal people. Mark. No, Don't I, feed that them. was not my intent. Okay. Which you um, knew. Yes. And um, we should note that you lived out a boyhood dream since the last podcast. Yeah. And it it was a hell of a week. Um, this was two weeks ago. Now I I flew east to go see the uh, Portland Thorns in the NWSL championship game, which they handily defeated <laughs> uh, Kansas City Courage. Uh, it was actually really wonderful. From a as we've talked about this being a soccer loving podcast, uh, to see that many. Portland and Kansas City people who flew to Washington D.C. for uh, to the neutral site oh, for this awesome. game, and then Washington Spirit is the team in Washington D.C. And you know there were thousands and thousands of Spirit fans who showed up to support women's soccer uh, as awesome. a neutral. Uh, you know, not their team wasn't playing, and they still showed up, and uh, it was a mostly full stadium. And I thought that was amazing. Uh, and then you know I got to have fun uh, partying 
into the night uh with the championship team which was cool and uh that mm-hmm. was that was great then i i had a uh a, a second night the next night and i went up to philly and went to the mls eastern conference final between philly and new york and partied all night with people i grew up with uh in the supporters nice. section there uh i was still decked out in my thorns soccer gear Gear. so i looked a little weird (laughs) but uh you might have looked a little weird and smelled a little weird if you were still in it so well and yeah i may have smelled a little (laughs) weird too because i had car problems the night before and couldn't get to my luggage and may not have changed all of my clothing between the two uh that was that's a story for another day uh but then uh then the next night i got to go to the world series and no it rained out that night but well the okay next i got night, to go yeah. to the stadium where the world series is being played and was being played in philadelphia i got to go to the stadium uh and wonder if the game was going to be played for a couple of hours and got to spend a few great hours with my brother uh who came down from new york to join me for that and then we went home because the game got rained out to my parents all the way up in new york and drove back down to philly the next day <laughs> to go to the actual game which was not rained out and you know, I had been to a World Series game when the Phillies were in it in 1983. It was my sixth oh, birthday present. It was mm-hmm. my sixth birthday present. Uh, and I do still have vague memories of that. But to be able to go this time with my little brother, who both of us are lifetime Phillies fans, and if you know anything about being a fan of Philadelphia sports, it's that we are we are suffering and long-suffering. And the Phillies are are a long example of that as the losingest franchise in all of sports. <laughs> the first team to 10,000 losses in any professional sport. So this may, this sort of opportunity only comes around once every 30, 40, 50, 100 years. Uh, so uh, the, it was special for me and for him to be a good. Player. So it was fun. It was good. It was fun to watch you have so much fun with all of it. So I'll say that. Yeah, I know because you love baseball. Yeah. Oh, come on. Mm-hmm. Not even a little bit. Like I like to go to a game occasionally to eat the food. So, and not even like there's this great Eastern European sausage place called Kramacek's that just makes the best Polish ever. And so that's why I like to go is to go eat a Polish, watch people be silly. Yep. That's the only reason. So, I so what you're saying is the real sporting event that we should be looking at going to together in the future is the July 4th Coney Island hot dog eating contest. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, and, Polish and are very can... different than hot dogs. Very no, no, different. just because of the food. Just, you just support the eating of food. Yes, I've been to Sausage Fest this year. It was delightful. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Speaking of Sausage Fest. Oh. Yes, uh, that's I a really terrible transition. Let, let's talk at Sausage Fest. Yeah, no, I was going to say, speaking of mm-hmm. Sausage Fest, let's talk about <laughs> Twitter. That's a, the worst transition ever. No, no, no. No, I would say that Elon Musk is a large dick. So, you know, he could be. A, <laughs> you know, the synonym might work there. Okay. Yeah. So, let's so we, talk so we decided. Now, yeah. So, so just to lay the groundwork, we, we, we decided last, last episode was very long. Neither of us were super, uh, you know, wanting to do another super long episode today. So we're going to talk about all of the Twitter news from this week. Uh, We've got three or four different points to be making about what's been going on with Twitter. I'll wrap it up with uh, 
uh, a Nazi story, and we'll go from there. Heartwarming Nazi story. I'm a heartwarming sure. Nazi yep. story. Yes. Okay. So we're going to talk Twitter mostly because everybody and their mother is tagging me in the Twitter stories. And I really, really appreciate it because it is a bit surreal to be on the platform while it is rapidly declining and going in the shitter. And it might be, and I, I know Trevor Noah said this on the daily show recently that like, this is the best Twitter ever because the comedic, just a mere comedic value of watching Eli Lilly get mocked and parodied for saying that insulin is free and then their stock price going 30 billion with a B in the toilet within the span of 24 hours is something to behold. And then Lockheed Martini, (laughs) the handle, saying that we're stopping sales to the Saudis and the U.S. for (laughs) human rights violations. Awesome. Jesus being verified and saying he only has 12, he must have more than 12 followers. Like it's hilarious comedy gold here, even though, you know, it's rapid decline. The, so there, there, I'm there enjoying was it a, immensely. A Mr. Bean account. I will just tell you, you can go find it. I, it's not, <laughs> it, 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 even though we, we'll use four letter words and it's not appropriate for, for this podcast. But if you want to go look, uh, Mr. Bean, uh, gets a little saucy and I oh, could not awesome. stop laughing when I saw that one. So <laughs> verified well, Mr. Bean. Verified Mr. Bean. Yeah. To pay $8 to cause Eli Lilly to go in the shitter 30 million, like <laughs> best th- eight invest $8 investment ever. So it, it's been amazing. highly entertaining to watch the platform uh, quasi implode in front of our eyes. Yes. And to like see, you know, there's a lot to be said about methodology and rolling out products, um, particularly agile about how you're constantly improving. But to see it in real life, where you get the verified check, then you get the gray official check, but e- that Elon doesn't like the gray, and like that being turned off within hours, like it's kind of amazing about like there's just no decision making process there whatsoever anymore. So it, that's all kind of stunning to me. But the employment law pieces of it are equally as stunning. Um, First, you know, we knew he had made some kind of statement or there have been rumors about Elon wanting to reduce headcount by 75%. So laying off 75% of the staff at Twitter as soon as he got a hold of it. That didn't quite happen that way. He did reduce by 50%. But how he did it was just remarkable so on november 1 so he purchases it in late october so within a week he wants to lay off a whole bunch of people because november 1 is a vesting date for a bunch of stock options and he wants to avoid paying the the stock options okay which may or may not be a violation of law if you're trying to avoid something that people are have invested interest in there could be a violation in and of itself of trying to rush that through. Yeah, there, there's so, there's some there's a potential tort in there. Um, of, oh yeah, of avoiding uh, or interfering with someone's economic relations, uh, amongst other things. That if you if you try to terminate someone's employment just before their stock options or other other kinds of options are going to vest, mm-hmm. uh, that's bad. You're not supposed to that's do that. Bad. That's bad. And according to a New York Times article, a bunch of people went to him and said, this is what it will cost if you do it before the vesting date. This is what it will cost if you do it after the vesting date. 
And they assumed that the before vesting date had legal penalties, the cost of litigation, et cetera. And that was more. So he did wait. So the stock options were essentially okay. vested. However, he's a good guy. It, uh, he wanted to do, well my favorite part is he assumed that there were quote unquote ghost employees and so he demanded that an audit happen so that he wasn't paying some ghost employees now i will say that i don't necessarily and i don't mean to disparage any of my friends who are in this area but hr and tech industries is not notorious for being great but the fact that there might be ghost employees, like ghost accounts, I find that one hard to believe and hard to fathom. So that one struck me as bizarre. Then as soon as he gets hold of the Twitter, he lets go of some of the top executives. And the top executives had, quote unquote, golden parachutes, right? That if they are let go without cause, they get... I think it was like two hundred billion dollars or two million, like lots and lots of million. money. I think million, million, million. not billion. Ooh, lots and lots of money. He, he only bought it for forty-four billion. Forty-four so, billion. Yeah, that's so right. for the whole company. So it, I make so much little money. What's the difference between? Yeah. What's the difference between an M and the B? It, uh, it's really it's just one letter. It's just one letter. So two hundred million dollars. So he claims that he fired them for cause to avoid payment of those large severances. Now that is just stupid because he's going to buy those lawsuits because if you're one of the executives who's owed maybe even a hundred million, okay, for your golden parachute, you have a hundred million reasons to sue Elon Musk. And you know what? You're likely going to win. And even if you sue him and he eventually has to settle, you're still going to get millions of dollars in that settlement. Yeah. And this is my favorite strategic error of companies. When they do something like this, they have to go through the litigation process, which means depositions have to be taken. Now, word on the street is that Elon went through and actually finished this deal to avoid his deposition being taken. Well, guess what, dude? Your deposition is going to be taken now in multiple suits with these executives. So you're going to have to be under oath. You're going to have to say these things. It, this is just remarkably stupid and so risky. So that so we've got the doing the layoffs wrong and doing the layoffs wrong. Also, there, it's not clear that he is complying with the Warren Act. Yeah, let's talk about Warren Act. That that was a big one because because that's actually something I don't know that we've ever really talked about on this podcast. I think we talked about it a little bit, maybe once, a but little the, bit. But so the what, Warren Act, the yeah, Worker the Adjustment Act? Retraining Notification Act, the Warren Act, is a relic of employment law. It is old AF, but it generally runs on this premise: if you are a large enough organization. You have to give your employees 60 days notice before a mass layoff or shutdown. That is generally what the Warren Act provides. Yeah, by shutdown, this it's a plant closing is how it's defined. Yeah. Uh, and so a, a closure of a single site of employment. Yeah. In New York, it's 90 days. Warren Act in general is 60 days. Um, from what I've seen, and I'm sure they're out there, I have not you know, delved into it directly, but what I've seen is that there's a quote unquote non-working period and then there's a severance amount. 
So I'm going to assume positive here that the non-working period is the 60-day notice period. People aren't working, but they're getting paid during this period of time. And then right. there's an so amount of severance so over that. So 60 days of notice or pay in lieu of that notice. Okay. And you can yeah. have any combination of that. So if you give 30 days of notice, then you have to give 30 days also of pay in lieu for the rest of yeah. the 60 days. Now, just to also mention, why is New York different? Why is it 90 there? About 20-something states have what are called mini-worn acts. Mm-hmm. And that's a state version of the Warren Act that generally has larger restrictions than the federal Warren Act. Uh, so New York or is has, one of those states, or, or more, yeah. more. Sorry, go ahead. It has, um, for example, some states have a. You have to let us, the state, know the worker development. Like you have to tell the worker development agency or the labor agency, yeah. so that they can help so, provide services to these employees. Typically, so they're they're more notification is required. Right. Typically the mini warrant has more requirements or more time or more hoops that the employer has to jump through. California has a mini warrant. New York has a mini warrant. Uh, Oregon actually does not. Uh, Minnesota does. Uh, So, so that's a little bit of a different state because Twitter's workforce is, is across many different states. Uh, They have to be thinking about that for workers in different states. Um, that being said, having that remote workforce across different states is also a Warren Act question because mm-hmm. there's this question of any mass layoff or plant closing has to be at a single site of employment to trigger. So it has to be at least 50 people for a mass layoff that constitutes at least one third of the total workforce at that location, I believe, um, mm-hmm. to be considered right. a, a mass layoff. So, But then how do you define and this is a real question these days, how do you define what a single site of employment is when lots of workers are remote workers that yeah. maybe all report into one location, but actually maybe never set foot there. Uh, and that's another really interesting current situation that mm-hmm. lots of companies, not just Twitter, have been going through trying to figure out with COVID if they're doing a significant layoff and everybody reports out of a certain location, but they maybe are in different states or never actually set foot there. Does that count as a single site of employment? Like, so really complicated stuff. We're not going to figure really that out on, on this podcast, but, um, you know, it's, it, it makes it actually difficult for the Twitters uh, of the world in this situation to figure out whether their Warren Act obligations are triggered or not. Yep. Yep. It's, it's fascinating, yeah. but uh, what I have seen, it suggests to me that, that Twitter is following the Warren Act. Me it's too. not clear that they're not, but even before the layoffs were announced, there was a lawsuit already that they weren't In California. Following. In California, yeah. 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 And um, the other thing about the layoffs in particular, which is really tragic, is how it went down. Now, there are very, very few examples of a layoff done well like so few layoffs are actually executed well this one was horrendous (laughs) okay so i i don't want to i don't want to give like there's this impression that you know this one was was worse than others because it is worse than others i want to be very clear than that but it like none of these are done well so what happens is is there's a notification that goes out to employees that you will find out on your work email if you still have a job. 
you will find out on your personal email if you've been laid off. And no one coordinated the time. So some people found out at 3 a.m. Other people found out the next day. And HR at Twitter admits it doesn't have all the severance agreements done yet. So it's not sending it out in a timely manner. It's none of that is happening. So I know when I work with a client and we're doing a mass layoff, it is incredibly grueling. It is incredibly time consuming because you have to have all of the pieces all lined up in a row. Like you have to have your Mm -hmm. OWBPA notice. You have to have your severance agreement. You have to have the final paycheck ready because you need to make sure many people are going to request that. And in Minnesota, if you request that, you have to get paid within 24 hours. So you have to have all of these pieces set up before you walk into the room or send the email, right? Like, so however you're going to do it, it is really challenging. And this to be done, ah, we're just going to shoot them an email. We're not going to have any of the stuff ready. Okay, that makes sense. Just horrendously done. So, yeah. And my next piece is on work from home. Now, in 2020, I believe it's 2020, Twitter announced that it's going to be a work from home organization. If you want to continue to work from home, you can continue to work from home. Elon gets a hold of it and is like, fuck this noise. You're all coming to the office. But he sends, he, Twitter, sends out the email in the middle of the day in Europe, at the middle of the night in the U.S., And it's not clear where everybody has to be at that moment. So if you get an email and you're in Europe and it's 11 o'clock and you're like, huh, I'm supposed to not ever work from home to now. Do I have to come into the office right this second? Like not clear. Um, And it's another way to call the workplace, right? Because a lot of people who have worked from home were told you get to continue to work from home. You don't have to come to the office anymore. They may have moved. Yeah, they, they may, may be in have, a totally different state or yeah, country. They may or country, and they may be like, "I can't come into the office. I'm this far away. I don't have childcare set up. All of these other things are up there, right?" And so now to demand that they all come back in the workforce is another way to call the workforce without having to pay a severance agreement. Yeah, God, just horrendous. They're the best. Then, the best. Yeah. Oh wait, there's more. The best. There's more. There's more. Uh, I mean. Again, we're literally watching it implode. So late this past week, we get notification that several employees are walking out of the door, including the chief of compliance, the chief legal officer who like who had been who had just gotten the job, the head of marketing who had the day before she announced she's leaving, had just sat down with a bunch of advertisers to calm their nerves about what Twitter was going to be. She leaves the next day. <laughs> Not very reassuring. And then an email goes out from the head of of legal privacy within Twitter who says the following. Okay, let me see if I have it here. Over the last two weeks, Elon has shown that he cares only about recouping the losses he's incurred as a result of failing to find out his binding obligations or failing to get out of his binding obligation to buy Twitter. He chose to enter into that agreement. All of us are being put through 
the ringer as a result of the choices he's made. I've heard Alex Spiro, the current head of legal, say that Elon is willing to take out a huge amount of risk in relation to the company and its users because, quote, Elon puts rockets into space. He's not afraid of the FTC, end quote. I saw that quote. Leader. <laughs> and I just was like, oh my God, that because one has something to do with the other for sure. Uh-huh. Well, you know, the people at the engineers at Tesla who ran self-driving have now come into Twitter to help fix some things. Um, and you know, self-driving is going real great over there at the Tesla. So yeah, those are the engineers I want to help fix Twitter. Woo! Yeah, I was gonna say, like, I don't think that's my first choice. No. Okay. So legal will, quote, have to shift the burden to engineers, unquote, to self-certify compliance with FTC requirements and other laws. This will put a huge amount of personal, professional, and legal risk into engineers. I anticipate that all of you will be pressured by management into pushing out changes that will likely lead to major incidences. All of this is extremely dangerous for our users. Also, given the FTC can and will, exclamation part, fine Twitter billions, in all caps, of dollars pursuant to FTC consent order, extremely detrimental to Twitter's longevity as a platform. Our users deserve better than this. Here is the Twitter ethics hotline. And here is, not kidding, the FTC's member hotline. one ftc help Coming from the privacy legal people to engineers, you guys could be in legal trouble if you don't do this the right way. And under the FTC, the Fair Trade Communicator, FTC, Federal Trade Commission's Act, an individual may become liable if the individual, one, participated directly in the deceptive practices or had authority to control those practices including software engineers, and two, had or should have had knowledge of the deceptive practices. And given the blue check verification, which was purchased by Jesus, that seems to be pretty deceptive practices that they are enabling to happen. And Eli Lilly would be the excellent example of a deceptive practice that Twitter enabled. Isn't that fun? I I mean, it's like... The deceptive practice is being discussed and announced right in front of your face. Yes, right in front of your face. It's like, here, let's have a discussion about the thing that we're planning to do that is deceptive and fraudulent and (laughs) comment that we don't think that the regulators are going to do anything because I I throw rockets into space. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's crazy. Well, he had to sell $4 billion with a Tesla stock. To continue in, in order to, to running, yeah. So, um, I'm my hope is that he has to sell SpaceX, and that's what you know gets out gets him out of that because I true I believe in te- in SpaceX. I want it to work. I love watching the liftoffs. I love what when it you know came down and actually landed appropriately again. I love that stuff. My kids love that stuff. But just to watch this man literally take something that is my favorite social media platform. The reason I have some of my closest friends is because of the Twitter and watch it implode in real life is just kind of amazing. And those poor employees, 
they're working, you know, 72, 80 hours a week, just trying to keep things, the, the match box or the match sticks together in the code is just stunning. It's crazy. And it's a real insight into these, you know, billionaire types who own these companies. And it, it doesn't necessarily mean that they know how to run a business. And it doesn't mean yeah. like, I, I think Elon has done some cool stuff. Like you're just talking about SpaceX is cool. You know, in theory, Tesla is cool. Starlink is cool. These are big ideas, you know, uh, you know and you know, having the money to be able to fund those big ideas, that's fantastic. It doesn't mean he actually knows how to run these businesses. And in fact, what we're seeing here is he's got no fucking clue how to run this business. No clue. And, and you know, a few months ago, somebody was calling me about the Twitter deal and what it would mean for employees. And I said, well, I don't think any CEO worth his or her salt looks to Elon as the person they should emulate as a leader. I don't think so. And this, this is just underscoring and bolding that. I mean, the right. man has a ton of money. He's doing some really great things. Should we give one person all of that control? Fuck no. <laughs> I think we're learning that I, right now. It's not but, good business. It's not good business. No. No. And there, I have some clients in my past who've had really good tolerance for risk. Like they will want to take the risk. Um, I don't think any of them would be willing to take on this amount of employment law risk. So No, it's the kind of employment law risk that comes with pure hubris and id of, of a billionaire <laughs> man child who likes having toys, but doesn't know how to actually make the stuff work or the company run. Uh, it's mm -hmm. yeah. And, and we're seeing that play out in the same way that maybe certain past <laughs> president tried to run the country. Yes. Yes. There are some parallels um, in these things. There, there are some parallels. And I think even like, I want to say there's even a story of, you know, there's potential racism here too. And I don't want to downplay that, but like just the ginormous amount of problems that this one company is, it's going to be a case study for MBA students for the next 30 years. Yeah. So. Okay. So we're all, maybe we're all Twittered out. Again, I'm going to stay on it until it's last dying breath, but yes, I'm all Twittered up for the moment. All right. So would you like to talk about Nazi for a second and wrap it up uh, here I'm at like 35 minutes today <laughs> instead of an hour and 35 minutes? Sure. I always love a good Nazi story. Well, and, but, and, okay. and I, I am going to say, if you follow us on social, that there's some follow-up stories around strippers. I think yes. we'll try to handle that next time. Uh, and we did get mm -hmm. some really good inquiries from folks, uh, a couple of really good comments and, and discussion points uh, that I haven't even shared with Kate. We will follow up with that in our next episode. So, uh, okay. uh, but thank you all for sending stuff in. Uh, I just wanted to keep things pretty light today. Um, this is a story. <laughs> so let's go Nazi. So let's go Nazi. Um, so this is a story out of Wisconsin, out of Madison, Wisconsin. Oh, uh, this, and, Wisconsin. And it, Beautiful state. Fucking weird people. Sorry, yeah, sorry. right. Right. I mean, you can say that better than I can because you live right there. But <laughs> at least my two friends that have moved there over the last few years, real, really weird guys. I'm just going to say. Love you, but you're weird guys. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> you, you guys know who I'm talking about. All right. So, uh, <laughs> so this, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be right for us to continue through this time of year without at least one Halloween story. And that's what this is. So okay. a man Ooh. who, Oh yeah. There's actually an interesting legal question I'm going to ask you at the end of this. Uh, so a man who works for the Madison Children's Museum. Okay. Drew national attention for wearing an Adolf Hitler costume for <laughs> Halloween. And they decided to fire him. Punchline, they decided to fire him. Uplifting story if they fired Adolf Hitler. Yep. So the organization not has whether determined... Not you whether, not whether you kill baby Hitler, it's whether you'd fire him. So, yep, yes. I like it. So the organization has determined that his continued employment would create an environment at odds with our values and unwelcoming to visitors and staff. Uh, they said the, the man's costume was completely unacceptable and runs counter to everything the museum believes. We stand united against anti-Semitism and all forms of bigotry and discrimination. However... However, statements from the museum and from the Madison Police Department say that the man has significant cognitive disabilities. He's worked with the museum for over 10 years. He's been closely supervised, coached, and supported. It's our understanding that he believed his costume to be mocking Hitler, the museum said in a oh, statement. Okay. We ask for privacy as we work with professionals on this sensitive matter. A spokesperson for the museum said uh, they're not naming the man because he hasn't been charged with a crime. And so so here's where, I mean, then there's a, a whole list in this article of, of every organization condemning the wearing of, of this costume. And, I, you know, I'm Jewish yeah. and it doesn't matter whether I'm Jewish or not. This is bad and it shouldn't happen. It's, you know, all yeah. of the things. But here's a question. If if the man is disabled mm -hmm. and has cognitive disabilities and believed that he was doing something that was intended to denigrate fascism and Hitler, does that change your view no. of this? Not even remotely does it change my view of this. Um, and I'll give you an example. There's this great case. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but there's a great case where a grocery store beggar guy. Okay. So he begs groceries. He has Tourette's. Okay. And the famous, probably stereotypical part of Tourette's is that he swears a lot because of the Tourette's. And it's, it's an incontrollable outburst, um, which I would find delightful, but not everyone would. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, that was, I was drinking some tea <laughs> and almost spat it out. So thank you. You're welcome. Um, but the grocery store decides, you know what? He might be a great beggar. We understand he has a disability, but he can't perform the essential functions of his job, which is to be courteous to customers. So we have to let him go. And the court whole upholds that. Yes. You might have a disability that means that sometimes you could be offensive, but I don't have to accommodate when you are offensive. And we shouldn't have to explain in this situation that, oh, he's mocking Hitler. He might look like Hitler right now, but he's just mocking him. It, it, don't worry. It's not offensive. 
Like, no, there can be the first glance, this is offensive. We're going to let him go for this. I feel for the guy if he misinterpreted what this meant. But the museum is 100% in the right here that this is offensive. And given particularly these times where we see a massive increase in anti-Semitism, we need to take these issues seriously. And I hope that this gentle person finds another job and has learned his lesson that you have to be much more clear in your costuming. Yeah, it's a children's museum. It's a, so uh-huh. I set that up like I was I was thinking opposite, but that is exactly right, and I agree with you a hundred percent that the ADA does not require that particular accommodation, um, and it is job related in my mind, and mm-hmm. you, you can't you can't work at a children's museum and wear Nazi costumes. Sorry. <laughs> um. I will go on a limb and say 99.99% of employers would not allow it. uh, Or if they did, would find themselves in a lot of trouble for allowing a a Hitler costume. So um, there's one other quick issue I do want to point out that comes out of the election is that we have two more states with recreational weed, Maryland and Missouri. Um, Very exciting. So we're now up to, I think, 21 states. Um, and Minnesota will be very close following suit because we have a full blue legislature and the governorship now. And we, quote unquote, accidentally legalized edible and drinkable weed last <laughs> legislative <laughs> session without appropriately taxing it. Because right now we don't have food on tax or tax on food and you can eat marijuana. So it is, you know, food. So it's not being taxed. So that will yeah. all get fixed this legislative session. But by the failure to pass recreational marijuana in South Dakota and North Dakota and still not having it in Wisconsin or Iowa, I am happy to take all of those states' money. That is a boon for Minnesota being right in the middle of all of those states. Yep. Way to go. So this little blue island up here in the north, we are going to remain solid and take money from other states. So, Congrats. (laughs) Okay. This, this is pushing 40 minutes still, and it's a short episode. <laughs> Kate, yep. it's been a pleasure, as always, uh, rendering some smooth employment law tones with you this morning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, where, can, where can our listeners find you uh, when they're not listening to the podcast? They can find me at K8BICH on Twitter, on For Instagram. Now. Yeah, and the websites, or even on LinkedIn. So, you're not how gonna, about you? Where you're can not going you? You're not going to tout your new Mastodon account. Um, I am on Mastodon. <laughs> I went on there. <laughs> I, I was a, I'm mostly joking. <laughs> I know, I know, but I went on there, and and you know, I've, I have a couple followers on there now, and someone's like, "Stay here, Kate. We want we want you here." Um, and I'm like, "Okay, I it's." It's clunky. It's slow. I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know if I have it entirely yet, but I'm happy to be there for the folks that are there. So how about you? You got Macedon yet? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know I am because I was, I think, (laughs) your first follower. Uh, But yeah, I'm in the same boat. I still haven't quite figured out why it's good yet. Um, 
<laughs> or how mm-hmm. it works, really. And I eagerly await our former guest, Aaron Weiss, to explain all of this to me as he has fully <laughs> hopped on the Mastodon train. Uh, and so, uh, Aaron, I know you're listening, uh, and we talk about this all the time, but I, I look forward to learning more about Mastodon. In the meantime, at Salad Pants for Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> And you can find me on the Bullard Law website, uh, where I am an attorney and do work things uh, for remuneration. (laughs) Uh, And you can call either of us uh, to do work things for you or do trainings or do things like that, because both Kate and I like to do that. Maybe someday somebody will hire both of us to do trainings together, and that would be awesome. That would be awesome. And just know, you do pay Mark by the syllable. So when he says he wants to get paid and says remuneration, that's the extra salad pants bonus you get there. I mean, <laughs> not like you don't bill hourly too. Like, I do, but I, I thought it was funny that you said work for remuneration. Oh, remuneration. Oh, just because I used a long yeah. word. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've learned how to be a well, partner. We are highfalutin. We are highfalutin attorneys Mm -hmm. on this podcast, and we use words uh, like remuneration uh, with your wine cellars. Yes. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. I love my wine. (laughs) Actually, I don't. I don't have a wine cellar. I have a wine living room. Thank you. (laughs) Even better. Even better. Even better. Um, If you would like to contribute to the podcast. The best way to do that is to email us, hwepodcast at gmail.com. I only check it generally right before we record because I'm lazy (laughs) like that. But that is still the best way because that's where I keep all of the comments uh, organized uh, and uh, questions and stories. We haven't gotten a really good story for a bit. And I know there's like a a thousand or more of you out there because I see our stats. So, uh, you know, interact with us, ask questions, send Mm -hmm. us stuff. Uh, I'm always begging for more interaction with all of you. Uh, Yes, we could do better with the Twitter account and our own social, but uh, (laughs) uh, we need you to pull your weight to people. Yes. And, you know, (laughs) I'm getting close to telling the fish slapping story. So, Oh, okay. So next time, next time on the Hostile Work Environment Podcast, (laughs) Kate and fish slapping. Yep. Okay. Okay. Have a good week, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.